Before we start this episode, we want to give a trigger warning to our listeners. This episode discusses suicide and self-harm. Listener discretion is advised. It's okay to not be okay. And those people around you are going through the same situation and a lot of them are having the same feelings that you're having too. Today we're talking about healthcare topics with healthcare students and their relevance to young professionals just like us. Today we're talking about suicide prevention and breaking the stigma around conversations around mental health. I'm Nathan and this is Ben. Hi, I'm Ben. We're both second year physical therapy students here at the University of Iowa. And today with us we have Mega Pranam and Kobe Michelle. And we'll be talking with them today about these topics. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. If you had to summarize your article in a few sentences, just big take-home points, um, what would that be? Yeah, so basically um, our article really just summarizes the importance of breaking the stigma around uh, mental health and suicide, um, talking about suicide prevention and how suicide is preventable, giving students the resources and red flags to look for in friends, family, loved ones, um, and then just kind of who to reach out to in those times and how to move forward with suicide prevention. Yeah, that's a really good message. You use the image um, in your article um, of a green bandana hanging in a dental office. What was the significance of that? So the green bandana um, actually is an initiative that was started in Wisconsin um, a couple years ago. So a group of students um, had lost a friend to suicide and so they came together and started this initiative Um, to get other students on campus more knowledgeable and trained to understand what the red flags are and um, you know how to help students and and their friends and their peers. That initiative came to Iowa a couple years, a year ago? Yeah, a year ago. Another another part of the green bandana training is that um, by wearing the green bandana it's kind of showing uh, solidarity to the people who maybe are struggling that we're not aware of and aren't ready to talk about it or are not actively looking for your help um, and it shows kind of a solidarity that they're not alone. Um, and for people that are maybe feeling alone, having that reminder that other people care about them and want to help um, if they wanted to reach out and talk to them, that's, that can be pretty important for those people. Yeah, so the Green Bandana Initiative came to Iowa last year or two years ago. It might be two years ago. Um, the whole campus actually, but the University of Iowa College of Dentistry really took that and ran with it. And we actually have 40 members in our um, at the College of Dentistry who are trained Green Bandana holders. Um, but we're also hoping that at the undergrad level, um, they kind of really take on this initiative and get more people trained for that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and as you saw in the picture, the, the green bandana was up in a, a dental office, and that's the D4 clinic, and the, the number that that was hanging on was Ross, um, which was one of our classmates, Ross Westerkamp. That was his unit where he practiced, and we lost Ross uh, through a death to, by suicide uh, earlier this semester, and um, so it's been pretty recent, and we've been kind of processing and working through that. Uh, Next, I'd like to talk about, and if you're comfortable doing so, what motivated you to write this article and why all four of you chose to come together to do this together. Yeah, Um, so I came a little bit late to the article. 
Uh, Mega had started it with some of her other classmates. Um, and they started because, uh, as you're probably aware, uh, the College of Dentistry had lost a student to death by suicide earlier this semester. And uh, Ross Westerkamp was in our class, he's a D4. And I sat across from Ross for our first two years in school. So when we were D1s and D2s, we were in sim clinic together, Peapod for life. And <laughs> uh, I sat right across from him and we would, you know, we take all the same classes together. And I remember, you know, like, uh, you know, something would go wrong and he would get pissed and he'd like throw his loops on the table. The loops are like the weird glasses Dennis wear. And like, I'd be like, oh, bro, don't do that. And like, but like something would break and I would fix it or I would be having a struggle and he would help me or I would text him, yo, I totally failed that farm exam. And he would be like, it's okay, we'll get through it. And Ross and I were close, we were good friends. And then COVID happened and we were in separate places. He lived in Cedar Rapids, I lived here in Iowa City. And we didn't see each other very much because we were in lockdown. And when we kind of came out of that, he was in a different cohort. So like we have groups in the College of Dentistry. He was a different group than I was in. And so I didn't see him at all because you don't interact with anyone third year that's not in your group. It's just, you're just timelines don't line up. And so we didn't talk too much. And uh, if I would have known that Ross was having the struggles that he was having, um, I would have been there more. And so my biggest, you know, struggle and my biggest reason for helping write this is that, you know, if, if there's anything that can come out of this to help someone be there when they could be there, that's a, you know, that's a big thing to have done, uh, to help, to help them, um, not have those regrets of what ifs, um, in the future. Well, thank you for sharing. That's unbelievably hard to go through and um, I mean we all appreciate you getting this message out I know it's you know a hard thing to talk about and you've both you know gone to the next step and done something about it which is amazing to not only you know realize what could have been done and go beyond that and get the message out I thought it was amazing all the great resources that you guys provided in your article um, could you talk about a little bit between the differences of those resources and how they can be used by students yeah uh, we can actually. So the um, the needs that you have, if you're a person who is wanting to help someone who is maybe having suicidal thoughts, or if you're a person who is struggling with suicidal thoughts, um, there's different needs that you have at different stages. You might be are having a crisis, and in that time you need a crisis center, like the 24-hour crisis hotline. That's a crisis center. Um, who, when you're very, very concerned about someone, that's the number that you call right now to get them help immediately. You also have the community, uh, was it communi community? Yeah, community. The U.S. capital. Community <laughs> Crisis Center is another volunteer program that can have um, that a crisis service that you could use uh, right, right away. Uh, other services that you can get are like the UIHC, University of Iowa, no, University of Iowa, Counseling services. Yeah, yeah UCS, yep. the UCS, University yep. of Iowa Counseling Services, um, and they help as a more of a, um, like a broader mental health um, service, and sometimes you need that service as well as the crisis service. And there's also a mobile crisis outreach center, and 
and they do like dispatch, they go to like homes or schools, businesses, you know, to have uh, an effect on someone who's going through a crisis in that moment. And that one I, we want to emphasize is really important, especially with crisis, because they are 24-7 and, and they will come to you wherever you are. Yeah, 24-7. So they, they're ready. As volunteers, they're ready to help um, help you. Yeah, ready as uh, volunteer uh, counselors to come and help you right then when you need it. And the really big takeaway of this is that if someone is talking to you about their mental health issue that they're having, their crisis, their suicide ideation, you don't have to be an expert to help this person. You don't have to know what to do to be somebody to do something. You can reach out to the professionals to get help. Um, you know, if you need a plumber, you call a plumber. If you need, <laughs> now, if you need mental health help, you call a mental health help. So that's why these crisis centers and numbers are so important. I think it's really great that these are in the Daily Island as a, as a resource for people to reference. Uh, I've personally referred people, multiple people to multiple of these resources, and I know especially the counseling service here at the University of Iowa has some really passionate counselors who mm -hmm. really care a lot and follow up with students and do really everything they can to help people if people are just, you know, referred to them and get in touch, which is really sometimes the hardest step. But many students here at the University of Iowa feel that it's kind of beyond their ability to help Kind of like you touched on um, and if everyone thinks like this no change will ever occur what can students really do to help a friend or another student in need if they kind of see this um, you know you talked about these crisis centers but like is there any other things that students can do yeah so um, kind of one thing we learned in green bandana training is just about some of the red flags that you can look for um, in a student or in a friend or just someone that you know and so being able to see if you know, especially loneliness in college, that's a big thing that happens, feeling kind of isolated and especially with COVID, you know, no one's really been socializing that much. And so being able to look at some of these red flags like, um, you know, high stress environments like college or um, previous mental health disorders, substance abuse, including especially alcohol, um, extreme mood swings, hopelessness, anything like that, I think is important to maybe just recognize some of those red flags. There's a full list at the Suicide Prevention Lifeline website that you can look up. Um, but kind of like what Kobe was saying, I mean, we're not professionals in this matter. We can notice the red flags, but ultimately as a student, if you see someone else who is going through this, it's not your job to solve the issue for them. It's your, it's your job or what you can do, I guess, is to get them the resources that they need. So stay with them, tell them that you trust them and, and thank them for yeah. um, helping or being open to um, to you and, and opening up to you and letting you know that they are feeling this way and, and then being able to get them to the right help that they need and following up with them is another big yeah. thing, like checking in with your friends or checking in with those people and just making sure everything looks okay. So if somebody reaches out to you, if one of your friends reaches out to you and they say they're in crisis or you think they're in crisis, stay with your friend, stay with that person, whoever they are, um, until you can get a hold of someone who is a professional and get them there to help you. Um, that person who's reached out to you is, is it's, a, it's a cry for help. Um, they want you to show that you're there to help them, that you want, you want to be part of their life and um, you, you can be that without having the answers. So um, something I've said is I, I might not have all the answers, but let's find the questions together. So if you don't know what to do, that's that's more than fine. Um, you are a person who can help someone in need 
just by being a person with them. I think that's a really important message, especially for um, students who are new on campus. I know there's a lot of um, norms, especially in the college community of, you know, when you come you know, as a freshman to a big college campus, you expect to find friends and to be, you know, everyone <laughs> sees, you know, movies where everyone makes their best friend on the first day. And that's really the reality. And so there's, there's a lot of loneliness in students. And how can we kind of make this a norm um, that sometimes people are lonely and we need to reach out to others? I know you talked about the green bandanas are, you know, a great um, example of this, but how can we kind of normalize this in college students? Um, something that I could talk about as a medical provider is we watched a very informative um, documentary the other day about suicide in mental health, or suicide in, um, in the health sciences and in during school and after. And a big one was there was that a lot of people, the vast majority of people in these programs feel lonely. They feel isolated from the people around them. They feel that they're the only one that feels this way when 60, 70, I don't remember the numbers, but <laughs> it was a big one, uh, feel that way as well. And if you could just say that to those people around you, if you could normalize this, um, that this struggle is real and is okay to have, it's okay to not be okay. And those people around you are going through the same situation and a lot of them are having the same feelings that you're having too. So you want to be sure that when you're having a moment or someone is having a moment where they're feeling like this is terrible, this life isn't for me, I don't like this, this is only a moment in that life. So dental school is not like being a dentist. Farm school is not like being a pharmacist, probably I don't know anything about pharmacy. <laughs> but I would assume that it's not. So that can translate all the way to you know grad school and undergrad. You know, when you are in biology 101. 101, like that's not <laughs> You know, the, these four years or these six years, uh, maybe me, uh, like that's not what it's like for the rest of your life. Like this is a time and it doesn't necessarily have to be everything that you think it's going to be that you learned on MTV. Like that's not real life. And sometimes it takes reaching out to someone else to understand that your normal, but you think is so unnormal, is everyone else's normal too. Yeah. I think that, um, as you talk about in the healthcare field, but even in grad school, we think that uh, when I get to grad school, I'm gonna be with my peers and it's, we're gonna come together in this collaborative learning experience and everyone's gonna be so excited. And then you get there and like, it's not that. You mm -hmm. have the same feelings. Um, and I can speak to that a little bit just because that was the experience that I personally had when I came to grad school. I went to Iowa for undergrad and um, I actually made two really good friends in undergrad, but then when I came to grad school, I, they left. They are going and thriving in their own life, and, and I felt very alone and isolated, and it was very hard for me in the beginning to make friends. So just because, and, and I pretended like I was okay, and I think that's one thing I wanna add, is just because everyone is acting like everything is okay, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is. And it took a little bit for me to really be like I felt isolated and I feel alone and I need to make friends and I personally reached out to our we have an embedded counselor at the College of Dentistry um, and it was t difficult for me to sit in front of someone and say like hey I feel like I don't know anyone and I don't have friends and um, until we can start normalizing saying something like that or normalizing saying like I feel alone or I feel isolated it's not going to 
like you said, it won't, the change won't happen. So we really kind of want that to, to right. happen more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you surround yourself with a bunch of high achievers and then you feel like, well, everyone else is performatively fine. Like, why am I not also not performatively fine? There must be something broken in me. I must be doing something wrong. I'm the problem. When really, the education system is difficult and we're not designed to sit as PT guys, like you guys know, we're not designed to sit in chairs for eight hours and get a lecture about it. I see you in the back of the room here, you guys have a bunch of bouncy ball chair things. That's awesome. We, that doesn't work super in dentistry. Like, but like this situation that we put ourselves in is not necessarily healthy for our minds and our bodies. So just because you are struggling and you think other people are not, does not mean that they're also not struggling. And just because uh, you know, you're having trouble finding friends, that's, that's good, that's okay. It's okay for that to be, and it's okay for you to feel that way. And part of how we fix this problem is by making that okay for everyone, yeah. normalizing it. Yeah. Normalizing mental health, normalizing going and talking about the things that you need, the things that you don't feel like you have inside of you. That's perfectly healthy. And that's absolutely true. And I think uh, a perfect example of how this also gets exacerbated is actually kind of through social media. And I think a lot of people see other people's lives and they just see you know the best things that people pick out of their lives. And they think that's how they are all the time and think that it's supposed to be perfect. And really those are just like fleeting moments in their lives that they're hanging out with their friends or you know did well on a test or got into grad school. And it's not really representative. And so I think that can kind of help or hurt kind of our own visualization of how other people live. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's toxic. That's a toxic, inter that's a toxic way to interact with positivity where you see, you know, a highly curated image of someone's performative life that they're putting out there for you to consume. It's, it's telenovela, like it's TV and it's, it's not real. Uh, <laughs> But you're like, man, why does that person always like have that one angle for their picture? I'm like, man, I wonder what the other side of their face looks like. <laughs> like, it's because they've learned how to present their life from a very narrow viewpoint to see exactly what they want people to see, which is everything is fine, everything's great, I'm perfect. It's always sunset. Yeah, know. sunset. Yeah, and <laughs> man, I wonder what the rest of that camera can see. Like, I remember when we were doing Zoom classes, you know, like University of Iowa College of Zoom, and I had like our little, you know, like the 10 degrees that come out of your camera so that they can see. And then just like outside of that, like everything, just like a pile, like the dog's going crazy. Like the kids have spilled milk and like, it's insane. But like that little tiny picture, you know, it looks great. Um, as long as I don't move and I only show this one side, like that's how people have presented themselves online. And it can be very toxic to consume that. Uh, one thing that I've started doing is, is curating my own social media as in how I am getting rid of some of those very performative uh, and not healthy uh, accounts. Like, I just don't follow them. I don't need to see the, your cool Instagram hat lady. Like, I don't need to see it. I don't need it in my life because it's, it's negative for me. Um, mm -hmm. That positivity is so negative. So I... I think that's, that's important is for people to be able to realize that if something isn't, you know, um, benefiting you or your mental health, to feel comfortable just taking that out of your lifestyle and if that is blocking someone on Instagram or if that's you know going on a walk once in a while or just like having your own time sitting in your bathtub and like drinking a glass of wine if you're of age 
<laughs> you know, like that should be fine and you should be able to take care of yourself. And I think that's important is really being in tune with yourself and, and realizing what's important for you and taking care of you and those around you. The other side of that same coin is the, the negativity. You know, it's so easy to see um, the negativity also on these social media platforms, the things that you maybe don't agree with, the science that is pseudo uh, in manner. You know, the things that make you feel bad because you're like, look how terrible the world is. Are, again, we're not designed to consume that much negativity. Like, you know, the, the dosage that you're getting to be take this back to medical, the doses that you're getting is, is a lot and it is too much. And you have to learn how to disengage from that. Uh, and you have to be willing to disengage from that and miss out on something to get that kind of stuff out of your life so you can detox a little bit uh, from the Instagrams. <laughs> I think we could probably have a whole conversation about dose. We have a class right now that all we talk about is dose of all sorts of things. Yeah. Oh, man. It's such a great topic. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, it's a really important subject, and we're glad that you guys are willing to break that stigma and have the conversation with us first um, to kind of wrap everything up. On so if a theoretical fight were to occur between 250 chickens... Okay. And a polar bear. Angry chicken. Oh, they are angry chickens. And a polar bear. Who would win? You can disagree. It's okay. Okay. Hmm. I like polar bears a lot. So just because I'm like a huge polar bear person, I'm going to say polar bears. I've got to. I mean, it's probably going to be the polar bear. It's right. probably going to be the polar bear. Like they've got... Where are we though? Are we like in the Antarctic? Our chickens are hanging out in the Antarctic and like, cause in that case, 100% that polar bear is gonna win. I mean, it's gonna jump in the water, take each one down with them. I feel I'm like... in Northern Canada, kind of like, fair ground for anyone. <laughs> okay. okay, so we're like in Labrador, we'll say. We're in Labrador <laughs> and uh, like it's an iced out. So the polar bears have come onto land cause there's no way chickens, we gotta like rationalize. There's no way yeah. chickens would go we're out Dennis. onto the like, sea we ice. We're gonna. You know, so the polar bear is hungry because they only eat really on the sea ice. They come onto the land. I learned all this from my kid's book. I've got kids, and so, like, I learned about polar bears through, uh, <laughs> like, second grade level kids' books. So they come onto the land because there's no, like, seals and stuff to eat because the ice is gone. I mean, they're going to eat the crap out of those chickens. Like, yeah. those chickens are done. Like, it's like they're Did gone. Did you agree? Were you on the same page with us? I, I'm actually in the other camp that our two other... Our two other speakers have been in the other camp. You're wrong. You said polar bear too? Yeah. yeah okay, Stay cool. Yeah, that's better. It's 250. That's true. That is a lot of chickens. Yeah. I, I could go either way, though. I'm sure this discussion will continue. <laughs> yeah, will. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, as always, if you see a green bandana on campus, talk to people. I think that's the biggest take home we can take. It's okay not to be okay. <laughs>